Hey, hello, Amy. How are you today? I'm fine. What about you? How are you doing? Just surviving, I guess. Life is hard. It is. Why is it so hard for you right now? I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you have you a medical procedure, when you have a medical procedure, uh, well, the thing is, Amy, I had never had one before, mm -hmm. like an intense one. Like the only thing that I had when I was a teenager, I like broke my wrist. Okay. Like 11 years ago. So that's like the only major issue that I had like related to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And I didn't require like any surgery or something like that. I just wore a, co a cast mm -hmm. for like a month, a couple of months, I guess. Okay. And they asked me not to play football, but I did it anyway. <laughs> Because, you know, like you're an irresponsible team. Mm -hmm. And that's it. But now I think I had like the, the worst one. Well, not the worst one, but like the biggest one so far. And it was like really uncomfortable and I feel really uncomfortable right now. But well, such is life, I guess. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Well, I actually don't know what you mean, but I understand what you're talking about. Have you ever had any medical like surgeries or issues? Uh, four of my... How do we call these teeth that are right on the back and that we hate? Yeah, that uh, they are famously extracted, uh, right? Yeah, well, I got those four extracted on one go the same day. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's the the biggest uh, procedure I have overcome. But uh, because I I was actually really nervous and and a bit afraid, mm -hmm. I was. I, I I had this sedation, I guess is how you call it, process. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my pet is with me today and she's a little bit angry, but I think it's okay. I hope she doesn't disturb too much. No, no uh, I couldn't hear it anyway. Okay, so I got the, the sedation thing, so I was kind of on drugs the whole time. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I didn't even realize, so it was okay. Oh, that's nice, right, because... Well, drugs help in that sense, right? They do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard. Well, I remember that my aunt had uh, theirs too. Well, I, I cannot remember the name, not even in Spanish. But well, the, uh, her teeth uh, mm -hmm. removed as well, the same ones that you just mentioned. And I remember that she really suffered. Like after the surgery, she was like really uncomfortable. She was like, well, she was not happy with herself at that in that moment, you know? Yeah, I know. I, it was uncomfortable. I remember the next day I had to teach. I was teaching in Spanish back in the day to junior high school uh, mm -hmm. teens or preteens. And I remember I had to teach the next day. And I taught uh, three out of four lessons. And for okay. the fourth one, I had to ask for, for help because uh, it, it, it had become swollen. Mm -hmm. And it was not exactly painful, but definitely uncomfortable. And I was afraid of like beating myself because it was yeah. it was swollen you know, so i just asked for help uh, during the last uh, two hour lesson but i taught the other three yeah, and i think that's kind of like the most difficult part in terms of medical surgeries right or interventions that mm -hmm. you are afraid of these possible side effects if yeah. that's what we call them because they don't normally happen But uh, doctors have to tell you about them, so you are like constantly afraid, right? 
yeah, the risk is, is at least there in your mind. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it becomes your truth <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> That's very deep. Yeah, but but well, uh, Amy, let's uh, see because I, if I remember correctly, Amy, you had a story for us today. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, it's a it's a different story from the one that I told last time. That apparently it was too deep and too extreme <laughs> for some of our audience. We received some comments, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry for that. Uh, no, today I want to talk about something that used to make me really happy when I was a kid. Um, when I was when I was little, probably between between three to eight, maybe even three to nine, uh, every night, my, my mom used to read for me. Oh, nice. About an hour or so before uh, we went to sleep. Hmm. And, uh, well, in the beginning, we would just read uh, some books that I got. Mm -hmm. But everything became almost an obsession. It became a ritual. Uh, thanks to certain book that I'm not going to name yet. We're going to talk about th this book later. Uh, okay. But it's a saga. A oh, really okay. popular saga. I see where you're that, going. Yes, that um, we used to read and, and we loved it. Like We absolutely loved it. Loved it. Um, we became really invested on it. Yeah. Up to certain... I, I was... Uh, when I was preparing uh, the episode, I was uh, remembering all of this, and it was really beautiful because I, something came to my mind: how my mom and I used to love the the series so much, the saga so much, that sometimes when we were having lunch uh, mm -hmm. with my father, our the way in which we uh, spend the time is that we started asking each other questions to see who knew more about the books. Yeah, so it was like really difficult, really deep questions about the books, and my my dad used to got used to get really mad because of that because he he didn't understand, mm -hmm. he didn't uh, uh, read the books, not mm -hmm. not mad like seriously mad. He just got really frustrated because he didn't understand, and he was like, ah, blah, 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 I don't like this. No, it was really fun, but we we really enjoyed uh, challenging our knowledge of the book. And I remember that precisely because of that, um, later on, films appeared of this saga. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, my Twilight? Ah, no. <laughs> Maybe it's Twilight. Maybe I'm talking about Twilight. That's not something you would read with your mom. People do crazy things, man. Okay, doesn't matter. Uh, so we, we enjoyed the films, but my dad, of course, didn't. So I remember very vividly that uh, when the one of the films appeared, we were so excited and uh, my dad didn't want to go. We used to have this family tradition uh, of going every weekend, the three of us to the to the movies. So it was a big event because we broke the tradition and it was only my mom and I who went to the movies mm -hmm. to see one of the films. She even bought like this um, a special function tickets because it, part of the film was in 3D. Only like 10 minutes of the film was in 3D. So it was a, a big event for us. Uh, going without my dad just because it was something that we loved and we shared. So that's that's the the beginning of the story. Uh, it was when I was younger, and now in the present, uh, recently this this problem started. I'm not sure about five or six years ago, where the author of the book started making some some really nasty comments 
uh, about some people, about uh, transgender people in particular. Uh, of the point that she now she's facing a lot of hate. There, there's a lot of people who who hates this person who doesn't want to be reading the books anymore, who doesn't want to consume any of the media that has been produced about this uh, series, and she's basically being cancelled in some uh, mainstream media. Something that I actually really loved is that the actors of the films uh, they were asked to participate in another film. Um, of this series and all of them said no but when they said no they they also made this plea where they were asking fans to separate the the book and the story from the author because the book was so good and the story was so worth our time that we should make these exercises of completely separating from the author and yeah ignoring the author this person is horrible whatever but the book is still good, and this person created something that helped a lot of people. And I found that really nice how how they were trying to make this to create this distance between the author and what uh, this person had created. Uh, but basically, this person is cancelled now. Uh, and I I wanted to know what you think about this cancelling situation. Well, it, it actually I think your story is perfect to what I want to introduce right now. Because you are describing this uh, book that still remains a mystery for some people, others have already guessed, because I think it's a it's, it's something very famous for some. But what I mean is this book and this story that you just told is fully protected by nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where we get uh, this very controversial aspect of changing or not the status quo. And I think... Uh, some some of the things that protect the most the status quo is nostalgia. Okay. Yeah. So so some some people believe that some things uh, should continue the way they do is because they were part of their good old days. And normally mm-hmm. our good old days uh, are like in high school, junior high, when we were children, because normally these are the age in which are we are the most protected by our parents. And we have like less expectations from society, right? Because when you get mm-hmm. like into the into adulthood, you're expected to contribute in one way or the other. Whereas when you are younger, you have this room of mistakes. I mean, I, I'm not saying that adults shouldn't make mistakes, but the expectations that we have as uh, adults are very different from the ones that uh, young people have. Mm-hmm. So I think when we get into topics that are protected by nostalgia or generate mm, a lot of nostalgia, people refuse uh, change. So that's why mm, some people take advantage of the situation and they do things that shouldn't be done. I mean, yeah. now, now, now that uh, you give me this example, I'm going to give one that is also a bit, well, it's a bit more superficial, but it, it resonated <laughs> with me a, a bit. This discussion about who should play Superman or not, and what uh, movies of Superman are valid or not for the audience, mm-hmm. and one of the things that ha- that one of the things that uh, Henry Cavill had to struggle the most with was the comparison the comparison with uh, Christopher Reeve. You know Christopher Reeve. Are you familiar with him, me or not? Not really. No, not really. The other guy, uh, Calvin Klein, or what's his name? 
Okay, so uh, Christopher Reeve <laughs> uh, played Superman uh, back in 1978, give or take. Okay. And he was Superman for four movies. And uh, many people consider Superman 1 and Superman 2 like one of the best things ever because they really represented the American way, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, in my opinion, they are uh, movies that um, didn't really age well because they are American movies, you know, and that's that. <laughs> they, uh, but these movies became protected by nostalgia. So now that we have uh, Henry Cavill, who played uh, Superman in 2013, mm-hmm. and who is, who is the most recent Superman in cinemas, uh, he was criticized because he wasn't similar enough to to that to portrayal. Not in terms of appearance, but in terms of uh, story-wise, character development, decision-making aspects. Mm-hmm. So he was criticized by that. So some people really argue, but do we really want like a copy of Christopher Reeve? Is that what really represents us as humanity? Or it's just something protected by nostalgia. And it's exactly mm-hmm. the same with Ben Affleck and Batman in 2016. And mm-hmm. I what's his name? The one that was with Tim Burton. Oh, this actor. Uh, I, uh, no, no, he was Batman. Was not Tim Burton. Uh, well, Tim, Tim Burton directed two Batman movies. Ah, sorry. Yeah, obviously, I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Michael Keaton. Yes. Like, okay. So it's the same. So actually, I don't, well, you don't know this, Amy, but actually people, they had Michael Keaton back. He's 70 years old and he's once again Batman because mm-hmm. people are encouraged by nostalgia. So they mm-hmm. rejected Ben Affleck as Batman because he's new and he's mm-hmm. bad, all this good. So they bring Michael Keaton back. And Okay, let's leave superheroes aside. What I mean with this is that many things are just protected by nostalgia and they don't really necessarily give us something or contribute to the to the current society. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't mean that they actually age the way they should. Maybe like Star Wars, for example. Again, three movies that are very old. People really love them. And when you watch them, like... Okay, cool, I guess. But why are they I, I was still actually relevant? watching a video essay by Mia Mulder where she's mm-hmm. talking about the politics of Star Wars. And it made me reconsider a lot my appreciation towards the the Reno trilogy and the prequel trilogy and why the follow-up is so horrible. Everything <laughs> uh, she talks a lot about this nostalgia and, and everything. But that's that's another that's another a whole different story. But but, uh, just to close with this introduction, Amy, what I mean is today we're going to face uh, this debate between uh, this debate and war that status quo and cancel culture have. Because Mm -hmm. some people really, really dislike cancel culture, but maybe not for the right reasons. And some people want to defend the status quo, but maybe not for the right reasons. So I think nostalgia is in this war yeah i guess we to wrap up with we could say that this nostalgia is a key element or an essential part of this nostalgia that uh, you're talking about right or maybe vice versa the nostalgia is the is a key element in the status quo to to preserve it yeah i'm trying to to process it 
But yeah, I think it's a key element for sure to preserve it, right? To mm-hmm. not only to preserve it, but to actually fight to preserve it, which is not literally the same. Okay. Yes, yes I see. I see your point. It's that it's a tool. Yeah, because for example, we can preserve something by doing nothing. But mm-hmm. when some, let's say, objection comes to this status quo, you start fighting against it. And that's mm-hmm. when it's controversial or worth discussing. And nostalgia fuels mm-hmm. these people in order to defend, right? The status quo. No, 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 no. But this is how we behave. How are we going to change, right? Okay. 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 Then let's let's hold that thought. Let's take a quick break and when we return, we can dive deeper into this status quo versus cancel culture issue. Perfect. So I'll see you in a in a bit, Amy. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back, Amy. How was your break? It was okay. What about yours? Are you feeling any better? Uh, surviving. I went to grab something to eat, like a spontaneous quesadilla, but not really okay. because it was just like cold tortilla with cold cheese, so we, I could return like fast enough to be here with you. Thank you. But, well, Amy, if you don't mind... Could you, like, reveal who you were talking about? <laughs> I was talking about Jake Rowling. Oh, my God. Amy, please. <gasps> yeah. So uh, this super controversial figure nowadays, um, we, we could, I, I would dare say she built a generation or she, she helped in the building of a generation. Like, how many of us grew up reading Harry Potter and how many of us kind of love the the books or the films and all these fandoms and all the new media that has been produced around uh, this world. And yeah, some years ago, everything started, went down, downhill, you know, precisely because she started making some uh, transphobe comments that generated a lot of uh, controversial responses around her person. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe uh-huh. no, sorry, sorry, go ahead, finish, finish. No, that as I said, she's she sort of being cancelled, right? <laughs> maybe what today it is relevant to talk about her, because as you said, it's controversial. And it's controversial. And the question is, why is it controversial if she's mm, producing hate mm-hmm. speech? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, other mm, historical figures that we all agree that were bad or that they were, prom- they, they were promoting hate. So nowadays, like, there is some general consensus. I mean, you know, that there is always a person who wants to look, like, wants to see things differently. However, yeah. um, with J.K. Rowling nowadays, like, maybe not at the very beginning of this controversy, but nowadays, 2023, Mm-hmm. It's clear that her speech is just uh, full of hate. Mm-hmm. And what makes it controversial is that there is still people who defend her 
And that's why we are bringing the topic of today. Well, the, 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 the episode is not about J.K. Rowling, first of all, right? It's about cancel culture and the status quo. Mm-hmm. But that, but that's why we are bringing it like this way, because what's the, the here we have some people defending the status quo because, as we said, we grew up with her, mostly millennials, right? All millennials and young yeah. millennials, because we're considered young millennials, right? But all millennials as well. <laughs> so it's like this full generation who really love them. Some of them really idolize them, or they just felt connected to this mm-hmm. character, right? Uh, all of us, well, not all of us, but everybody, some people wanted to be Harry Potter, others wanted to be Hermione, others wanted to be Ron, or all of us have, like, chosen our houses and disclosed, like, oh, I'm a Gryffindor guy, or Slytherin, you know, whatever. So, we understand the love that people have for this franchise, as you said. Mm-hmm. The question here is why are people still defending her, per se, because one thing is like, okay, I want to, for example, we have a new video game, a new Harry Potter video game. I don't know if you yeah, knew me, yeah. and it looks very attractive. I'm not going to buy it because <laughs> I only play FIFA, but it looks very attractive. And I'm not against buying it, the book, the video game. Okay. Uh, personally, because as you mm-hmm. said, I try to, well, it depends on many things, but in this case, I try to separate the artist from the art. Um, but anyway, do you think some people still now in 2023 want to defend her? I guess you already uh, showed us a possible answer, mm-hmm. which is this nostalgia, right? Like she, 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 she's taught us, taught us so many things, and we grew up admiring her somehow. But we want to defend that because it's part of ourselves. It's part, part of who we are. So yeah. criticizing her would imply criticizing ourselves. And, and that's... Uh, we never like that, right? Yeah. I guess that that's one point. But the second is that, uh, unfortunately, hate speech is really present and really current uh, nowadays. Uh, like, see, see what is happening in the States in, in the last couple of months, how many laws against trans healthcare have been passed. Uh, so it's something that it's currently happening. A, a deputy or a senator, I don't remember, was uh, literally like pushed out of a building and he's not allowed to, to be a politician anymore because uh, he's a trans person. Mm-hmm. So it's something that this is still happening, and there's many people who are supporting this hate speech from many different uh, places. Uh, and and uh, J.K. Rowling is giving them what they need. It's, it's giving them a reason to support her. Yeah, uh, 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 she's giving, um, like, boys to her to their truth right definitely but and and that would be and i i think that's the reason why i would uh, be in favor of cancel culture in these specific uh scenarios she's giving voice to someone who has always had a voice 
she she's not giving voice to a minority. <laughs> she's not giving voice to to someone who quote unquote would need to be heard under what terms and conditions, right? But she's just saying what the status quo has been saying for for some years now. The problem is that she's a, a really influential figure, and she's using her public platform uh, in order to spread certain ideas that we may not want to be spread. And I think that's the main problem. And there's a very, um, there are two very beautiful video essays by ContraPoints. One where she's talking about cancel culture, where she mainly disagrees with cancel culture for different reasons that we can discuss uh, in a minute. But she has one called the trial, the witch trials of J.K. Rowling, okay. where despite she usually is against cancel culture, she explains why in these type of cases con- uh, cancel culture is a good tool. Because as I, I as I as I was telling you, she's not giving voice to anyone who has not had a voice before. Uh, so she's in a privileged position using her power to spread certain hate speech. And when someone believes that trans people should not have rights or that trans people are not even legitimate or that they do not exist, they are just, I don't know, they are just faking it or whatever. Basically, they are denying their humanity, right? They are denying their validity. So how can you discuss how can you argue with someone who believes that there's no possible discussion there's no possible conversation with someone who believes that a trans person shouldn't have rights yeah because there's, there's nothing you can do there yeah because if, if we take it to a, like a broader scope or gen to more general terms at the end mm-hmm. what you're saying is that a person shouldn't have rights and that's... yeah because it's not a person a but, person but, but they are person. at the end right yeah, exactly. But how are you going to argue with someone who believes that? Yeah, and there's yeah, where the cancel culture uh, comes at hand. Because it can help us, del- uh, I don't know how to say that, make less legitimate their speech and their discourse. How? Well, first of all, by canceling, uh, this person is going to receive certain negative uh, media attention who is, uh, which is going to help people like criticize her her, or at least be aware, a little bit more aware of the things that she's saying. That's the first thing. And with cancel culture, sometimes also comes ridicule. So by ridiculizing these uh, people, you make their speech and their discourse less appealing, less serious. You cannot take it seriously anymore. And, And that's the point. We should not take seriously someone who is saying that a trans person shouldn't have rights. We shouldn't take seriously anyone who says that a person shouldn't have certain rights because they they are whatever. So cancel culture helps us in these ways. So this speech, this discourse uh, spreads or stops spreading or less people is subject to be affected by it. I don't know if it makes sense what I'm trying to say. No, no, yeah, but I I totally agree with what you said. Well, I don't know if I totally agree because you know me and, I, and personally I don't really love the part of like, mm, like this kind of mockery that we need to do 
in order mm-hmm. to like um, rest the importance in their in their speech. Yeah, is that the correct mm-hmm. word? Rest? Like reduce. Sure doesn't, reduce sounds better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like to reduce. I understand why people would do that and why people need to do that. However, I don't love that like like using uh, like violence to attack violence, but I understand that it's a mean and unfortunately in some cases it's what you just do. And as they say, you cannot be tolerant uh, with intolerance, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that. I don't personally agree with that, but I now understand it better and I know why people do it and need to do it. Mm-hmm. What conce- Personally, what concerns me the most, Amy, and right now we are just talking about J.K. Rowling as an example of a mm-hmm. phenomenon, right? Unfortunately, this happens with so many people that it's like, Please stop, you know, let's kill this. Uh, I don't know why I use the word kill. I'm not saying killing the person. I'm just saying killing the influencer figure. Okay. Uh-huh. Because it's dangerous, like totally dangerous. And here is about my, my concern, I mean, that many, many people didn't have any problems with trans people. But uh-huh. after her heroine had a problem with them, they started having a problem with them now. You know what I mean? It is yeah. a problem that she's giving voice to people that were already there. But it's even mm-hmm. more problematic that she's changing people's minds into this hate speech. But that would be a, an interesting question. Is she changing people's minds? Like, let's think about a different example. Think about Trump. Like, was he really changing how... Uh, people from the states think, or we had, or, or was he only showing what was already there? The, the thing in me is maybe it's not literally uh, a drastic change, but some people just follow. You know, mm-hmm. we have this need to follow a figure, a divine figure, right? And mm-hmm. uh, as we discussed it in our meet month. Uh, influencers have taken this role of divine figures in our society. Mm-hmm. So that's that. That, that. That's something that we must accept, and politicians as well, right? For example, but well, I was going to give a, a, a current example here in our country, but maybe it's going to be unnecessarily controversial. But <laughs> it's like if we, you're giving the example of Trump. So if we think about politics in the United States, they are a little bit more about patience uh, the um, knowledge so it's about being democrat or a republican mm-hmm. because i have to defend my side mm-hmm. so some people started following him just because wanted to defend their side it's like oh i'm a republican so that's what republicans do so i i should do it like mm-hmm. we have this idiom like we're in rome do as romans do something like that yeah I think that's that's a phenomenon that happened. And I agree with you. Maybe they don't change. They just follow without thinking. And that's the dangerous part. Returning to J.K. Rowling. Yet there were many, many people that unfortunately believe in these horrible things. But some others, they are just following this speech because they admire her. Yeah, I completely see your point, and I, I went. I was thinking that I, I would not dare saying that people just follow without thinking. I, I 
prefer this last part that you mentioned about admiration. I think it's more about something pulsional and more emotional rather than not thinking, you know? Um, again, sorry, again, dogs. Um, many people were following Trump because he was telling them what they wanted to hear. And that's what made him such a successful, not because I, I like him or agree with him, but that's what made him such a successful politician. He, he was able wow. to connect at a very deep, emotional uh, level with people. And I think coming back to your uh, idea of nostalgia, that's also why J.K. Rowling has had this uh, response, like many people support her because she had already connected with us at an emotional level. So it was difficult to break with those ties, with so deep and emotional, unconscious even ties. Like, we we admire her. We admire her characters. You, as you said, we wanted to be like them. But then all the stories rooted on transphobia. <laughs> it's Then our beliefs of who is good and who is bad are rooted on transphobia as well. We don't want to criticize that. It's better to support it, right? And that's the point of why this nostalgia is a tool of uh, defending the status quo. Um, there's, there's a really beautiful video essay by uh, Philosophy Tooth where Abby Thorne explains that uh, one of the reasons why transphobia exists is because uh, trans people are showing that those elements that we think to be unchangeable and inherent to human nature, which are male and female division, are subject to be criticized, changed. So if, if, if you were born, if you were assigned certain gender on birth, you can change it later. That's destroying uh, 2,000 years of Western civilization, right? Uh, and it's part of who we are. It's our mythology. It's our status quo. So we prefer to defend that idea rather to to question ourselves something in which we believe in and, and again that's why i believe in these specific cases again i'm not saying that i support cancel culture uh, at all times but in these specific moments when someone is saying something so so like that i don't want to to use any other adjective when someone is saying that a person shouldn't have rights then there's no possible argument with them but if they have a platform of power or they can spread this speech the best thing that we can do is make that speech less reliable and less easy to uh, take seriously so if we can mock it and by that we are diminishing the 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 effect that it has, I think it's great. Like, I love seeing these Ben Shapiro's memes where they are laughing at his stupid misogynia all the time. And it's like, of course, he's, he's stupid. There's nothing you can do about him. There's no point in arguing with him. Uh, and it's also really interesting how... Uh, liber uh, how what's the pronunciation? Liberals? Liber liberals, right? Liberals, yes. right? Uh -huh. Liberals love debating. And that's the way in which they 
maintain the status quo by debating. They love sitting with someone who has different beliefs, and they think that by dialogue and debate, things are going to improve. And then you have this Ben Shapiro debate with his friend who is gay, and Ben Shapiro is like, yeah, he's my friend, it's okay, despite he's gay, even though I think gay uh, shouldn't exist, but he's my friend, I'm not, not, I'm not a bad person, right? Like, he's this classic comment, like, uh, I'm not an homo- homophobe, because I, many of my friends are gay, and he's like, oh my God, what are you saying? The, the thing uh, is, for, if, if you give the example of Ben Shapiro, it's like quite easy to cancel it, in one way or the other, and to identify why he's a problematic dude, or that he just like to be in the spotlight. Maybe I think not right now what he's just doing. Like he wants to be in the uh, on the front page of the newspaper just to say something. However, I think mm-hmm. the, the J.K. Rowling phenomenon is something very rich in terms of analysis mm-hmm. because there is another um, branch that goes into the debate that is feminism and sexism, mm-hmm. and. I am saying this not because I agree with one side or the other, but I think it's worth listening to these opinions so we can like inform our decision more, right? And I, I, I had a friend, I have a friend, she's still my friend in, in one way or the other. She's uh, she's a feminist, but she's uh, this uh, kind of feminist that she's always like telling you that she is, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, she has strong values about it. I think that's the correct word, strong values. And she's also a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we were like playing some Harry Potter trivia, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why J.K. Rowling appeared. Well, I, I know why, because we were playing Harry Potter trivia, but J.K. Rowling appeared in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I remember like one of the other friends that was like in the table uh, said like, oh, unfortunately she went crazy. And my friend that I am telling you, like my feminist friend, just to to give like some reference, she said, like, did she? And I was like very curious about her opinion. And and the other person was like, yes, because she said these horrible things. Like, did she? Again, like with this, did she? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but wait, I asked her like genuinely, not because I wanted to fight, but why do you say that? Or what do you believe about it? And she told me like, we are very ungrateful with her. Mm-hmm. That we don't appreciate what she's giving to us. And we have just like reduced her impact just because she's mm-hmm. a woman. You know, that, that would be a, a great case against uh, cancel culture which also contrapoints analysis in this video um, essay that I was referring before, referencing, sorry, before uh, she precisely mentions how we cancel culture is based on overgeneralization. Uh, so someone makes a problematic comment, we generalize it to every aspect, and then we use essentialism where, I don't know, J.K. Rowling makes a problematic comment about trans people, Therefore, generalization, she hates trans people. Therefore, essentialism, she's a bad person. So we we are not attacking her comment or her uh, logical explanation of her argument. We're not attacking her argument, but her persona in an essentialism way rather than analyzing in a deeper way. Okay, maybe she didn't 
mean it that way. Maybe we're decontextualizing what she said. Maybe there's a bigger context of what she's saying. And we are biased because she's a woman, right? And in the society we live in, what women say are always subject to criticism. Yeah. So maybe to 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 try to analyze this phenomenon of cancel culture, we can think about a different case that maybe help us uh, put between brackets this bias so we can analyze this and see what could be the positive or the negative aspects of cancel culture. But, but don't say the name yet. That, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not after, after the break, so people need to return because yes, it's a controversial please, figure as well. And I think you're going you to make it. Yeah, in, in the, the comments. comments. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. You, you, you no, yeah, in the comments and in the space for questions, please tell us, tell us what you think uh, about J.K. Rowling in particular and about the cancellation of her figure. Yeah, and remember, this is just a space to give our opinion, not, not a space like to fight against each other. I don't want, we don't want you to agree with us or to disagree with us. I think these kind of topics need a lot of information. And what's, mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do, like, mm, learn more about it. Yeah. I guess so. But well, uh, we'll be back after a break, Amy. I'll see you in a bit. Yes, see you in a bit. Hi, Amy. Welcome back. Hello. How are you? Hi. Better? You surviving. That's life, okay. I guess. <laughs> well, well, something... I, I haven't had the opportunity to have some reference. Ah, well, I'll have one. Well, I don't know if it, 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 it appears. So this is going to be the Taylor Swift of the episode. That I can confirm, guys, that this podcast is going to Taylor Swift's concert in Mexico. Well, at least one representative of the podcast, you know? Yes. Yeah, so, so I'll be there. Three out of four dates. So yes, I'm excited because of that, Amy. Three? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you, you only told me about uh, two of them. Yeah. The, the thing is, well, I don't know if I told you, but they were selling like... Mm, on Tuesday, they started with... Uh, mm -hmm. the first date and then on Wednesday the second date so so we discussed on Friday yesterday that I, that I missed tickets for Saturday no we discussed mm -hmm. on Thursday that right I missed tickets mm -hmm. for Saturday and yesterday was the like the the selling thing for mm -hmm. Sunday mm -hmm. and you know one of my best friends I'm not going to say her name because maybe she doesn't want to be named here on a podcast but you know her yeah and she got a ticket for me for Sunday. I mean, not for free, but she got oh. the ticket and I have to pay her, but well. <laughs> oh, that's nice. More than good enough. That's great, huh? I, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, my girlfriend says that um, maybe she'll open more dates. So I don't know what what am I going to do if I'm going to be mature enough to to try to not buy tickets for the new dates. <laughs> Or I'm going to put my economy in risk. But it's the same set list, right? So what? <laughs> well, okay. It's so. never come to, to Mexico, you know? It's something big. 
Okay, but, okay, sorry for, for my lack of understanding. <laughs> but talking about me, I hope that she doesn't open new dates because it would be dangerous for my economy. But talking mm -hmm. about for fans in general, not only for her, like fans in general yeah, normally it's selfish for fans to buy more than one ticket. No, 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 not talking about fans that want to go to many uh, uh, dates like crazy dudes like me or crazy people like me, but talking about these fans that didn't get a ticket. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> that's why yeah. it's selfish because you're not letting other people go. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I hope this, if they open, if she opens new dates, I hope these people actually get them. Yeah. Not resellers, please. We hate I think it. it's the, she's the new Metallica, right? Like no one has had so many dates all together than Metallica. I don't know if I want to agree with that because she's unique, but okay. That's I a think she's the new Metallica. Okay, let's let's agree to disagree, Amy, and let's continue because we were saving a name yes. after the break. Would you like to share this name of, like, I think he's your idol, right? Yeah, I kind of hate him, but many of our uh, common acquaintances <laughs> and okay. kind of love him and are really into reading his books. And we're talking about Dr. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> doctor, oh my God, baby. <laughs> He's the mockery in your words. Well, he is, right? <laughs> I want to start, baby, with the mm -hmm. debate. Sorry for like stealing your thunder. But I have, well, it's not a confession, but I have to confess that at the beginning, I really appreciated his words. Mm -hmm. Because when I when he first appeared like in my life, it was like on these short TikTok videos. And mm -hmm. they were these videos of empowerment, you know, like, oh, everybody has like imposter syndrome. So don't worry, like these speeches. And you are like, oh, I connect to that, to this. It's like reliable. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning for me, he was uh, a really intelligent guy that was actually helping us. But then you discover that actually he writes self-help books as and as we discussed like in our personal time, Amy, mm -hmm. this is this can be dangerous. And personally, I have never agreed with uh, self-help books. Not because I was like very conscious about it. I, I've always disliked them. But mm -hmm. now that I've grown some conscious, I now I understand why I don't like them. And well, continuing like with my uh, the relationship that I had with him, well, the relationship, but well, you know what I mean, the relationship <laughs> that I have with like this uh, public figure. Then he appeared in a picture with Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. and for me th that was like very confusing. <laughs> I had like mixed feelings, you know, because you Cristiano Ronaldo. No, yeah, of course, but he appeared in a picture with Cristiano Ronaldo when I started. Uh, like discovering his debates with feminist uh, women mm -hmm. in which he just goes there to fight, you know? He doesn't mm -hmm. want to contribute. He just wants to be right. And that's literally the definition of mansplaining, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then he appeared with Cristiano Ronaldo and I was like, you know, like I didn't know what to do with my truth. I was <laughs> very confused at the moment. And I have like a... Super a FIFA. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, and I have a, a woke friend. He's like, uh -huh. he, he likes to call himself a woke dude. Okay. It's not you, Amy. It's a different yeah, I was going friend. to ask, are you talking about me? But I never, I've never called myself 
woke. No, he kind of takes pride of being a, a woke dude. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. And he actually dislikes uh, Peterson. And he, like, explained why he didn't like him. He calls him, like, the father of incels. And I started, like, broaden my understanding of of Dr. Jordan. Mm-hmm. So now after <laughs> understanding many, many things and seeing him being just a mean white dude that is, like, calling for inverse racism because he's suffering from inverse racism, <laughs> he's like, dude, just, just shut up, please. You know, you had mm-hmm. some great ideas and you are just destroying them and canceling, like, your own ideas. Because now you are spreading hate speech. Different hate speech, not literally the same as uh, J.K. Rowling. But mm-hmm. I think they are going into a similar line because it's like right-wing hate speech. Right? Yeah, like right-wing liberal, I would like to add, hate speech. Would you say that Jordan Peterson is liberal? I would say that he's like conservative. like Conservative? Full conservative? Maybe, yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're right. But... Like, well, okay, yeah, that's a different discussion. Yeah, you're, I think you're right. That could be true. Yeah, I understand that J.K. Rowling is considered a liberal uh, within the conservatives, but at the end it's conservative, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, and actually, that's a different discussion, but there is some discussion that actually American people cannot be liberals, like just because they were born with this American privilege. Mm-hmm. I talk, American privilege, I mean people who were born in the United States, not talking about mm-hmm. Latin American and the rest mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. But well, having finished my anecdote with this, having finished my connection with uh, Peterson, what do you think, Amy? Uh, I, I think that's why he's so appealing, uh, probably mainly to men, right? That he's yeah, talking to them. Sure. Uh, and that's, uh, as we said, before with Jacob Rowling, he's telling them what they want to hear. I I I don't want to talk about incels because that's also a whole different story. And I don't know. Like I'm I'm worried about them. I not not because they don't suck, but I, I feel that they are suffering a lot. Also. Not because they don't suck. Oh my! Gosh. I mean they do, but but life is difficult. And no, but I I think it's um. A very ticklish subject, the one of incels. That's that's why I don't want to get there, and I don't want to call him father of incels. Uh, but I definitely see your point there, and I, I know what you're talking about when you say that. Uh, and but I, I was thinking while you were while you were talking about him and how you were mocking him. Uh, isn't that precisely what I was telling? <laughs> what I was telling you before that we, we shouldn't take him seriously. We shouldn't take these people seriously. We should mock them because that's the only thing that you can do with them. Like you cannot argue with them. You cannot reason with them. Then let's but laugh at them so the, so people stop taking them seriously. The thing here, Amy, is even though I agree with you that Peterson has gotten himself into a situation that there is just nothing but travesty when he speaks, mm-hmm. when, when he engages in these discussions that, I don't know, dude, just stop going there, you know? But, well, that's what he does for a living, actually. He's mm-hmm. getting paid for doing that, and that's mm-hmm. why he does it, and that's when we get into the topic of capitalism, right? That he's just enriching people for being mean, or for being white, or for being men. Mm-hmm. Um... But what happens with people that have actually received real benefit from him? Because at the end, sell help books, the name is there, 
are aimed to help people. And I know that they can be dangerous because as we've discussed, and actually you told me this, Amy, I'm like paraphrasing you, they tell people what to do instead of helping them, which mm. is different. But what happens when this actually helps? Uh, I, I, I'm talking about like Lalo in the past, like me, I'm Lalo, if people don't know in the audience. Talking about myself in the past, like one, two years ago when I saw these videos, Mm-hmm. I was not I was not reading a self-help book. I was just like randomly scrolling on TikTok and then I see a dude who talks about imposter syndrome, something uh, which uh, resonates with me a lot in my daily life mm-hmm. and actually helps me and actually makes me feel better and actually uh, makes me a, a better professional in my teaching career. So what's ha- what happens there then, Amy, when you start mocking a person who also helps others? I think, uh, first of all, the, like the, the starting point is, is he really helping others? Like the fact that you see immediate benefit doesn't mean that there's real change or real benefit. So, for, we, and we can analyze this in two ways. First, what do we understand by help? And the fact that someone is telling you what you want to hear doesn't mean that that person is helping you. And the fact that someone makes you... Aha, the fact that someone makes you feel better doesn't mean that that's help. I'm thinking about about this moment when you break up with someone. You've been in this relationship for a couple of years and and, and you just want to rant and uh, talk crap about the other person. And you you have this friend with, uh, with whom you can do it, right? And that makes you feel better because you're you're bending. That that's not helping. That's not uh, going to help you with the with this process of overcoming the 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 breakup, right? It's just making you feel better. That's the first thing that we we, we could consider. Is it really helping? And the second is through which means, assuming that it's helping, through which means is he helping? No. And the problem there is that, um, long story short, <laughs> there, there's, a, again, a very beautiful uh, video essay by Abby Thorne uh, talking about Peterson, where she explains how what he's doing is ideology. He's not uh, talking about knowledge, reason, or anything, just about ideology. Why? Because he is undercovering his opinions, like deep, very personal, very emotional opinions, he's covering them with uh, jargon that sounds amazing. So he's talking about uh, Jungian archetypical behavior, and he's talking about uh, postmodernist Marxism, and that sounds super cool, but what he's telling you is, I'm a white cisgender male who has some opinions about feminism, but he's not saying anything. Uh, like he may be giving you a good piece of advice, but that's it. <laughs> that's not help. That's just advice. Let me give you an example. Uh, one of his uh, frequent criti- criticism against left uh, ideology is that he sees uh, left ideology um, being overtaken by what he calls postmodernist Marxism. 
And he has a very beautiful uh, debate with uh, Zabuk Zizek, who is... Uh, I think you've shared it with me, but it's like three yeah. hours long, right? Yeah, it's like three hours long. Uh, quite radical uh, left uh, philosopher. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that Zizek asks him is, okay, mention one postmodernist Marxism, because I don't see any. I don't know any. So tell me the name of one. And Peterson is like, uh, <laughs> because there's no one. <laughs> but but he uses that term to cover just the ideology, just his, his opinions that are based on absolutely anything. And the moment that he's questioned, there's nothing. Like you realize that there's nothing. He cannot answer. There's nothing. It reminds me of uh, a president, a very beloved Mexican president who was asked uh, what his favorite book was. And he said, the Bible. And when well, like, asked who had written it, he was like, uh, God, uh, I guess. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we were <laughs> we were a bit too harsh on him in that interview. In that interview, not not talking about his government. You know okay. me. You, you you know that I'm a left wing guy. However, when the the only thing that he did wrong was hesitating because he actually said like many books in that interview. But well, the Bible was just ridiculous. <laughs> he was ridiculous. But okay, do you see my point? Like when when you question these figures, you realize that there's nothing behind. There's there's no there's no theory. There's no background there's... sustaining their their ideas, and. If they are only convincing you of certain ideology by using pompous uh, vocabulary and lexis, then is that help? Is that really help? Yeah, or is it pretentious? (laughs) We were drinking water. (laughs) However, if you think about Marx, I mean, it's not the case. I mean, it's not the same situation, but I I just want to... (laughs) Mm, attack your point a bit not because you are wrong because you are not but mm, some of the things that people criticize from the manifesto Mm -hmm. was that it's promoting like um, the eradication of social classes but it's written in complex language an elevated language is part of classism so That's 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 such a fun comment where did you hear that? Um, I just heard it. It's because I have heard right the opposite, like coming from, this sounds hor- uh, horrible, but coming from the academia, like a philosophical academia, it is known and it's well accepted there that the Communist Manifesto is not a philosophical text, but a, a political proclamation and call to arms, precisely because it's not... It, it lacks the rigor that uh, the capital has. So it's really easy to understand. It's really easy to follow. It's really emotional rather than philosophical. So I, I have heard precisely the opposite comment. Well, I mean, maybe mm, it was not a good idea to bring it up, not because I'm wrong or I'm right, but because I don't really <laughs> remember exactly what they told me. Mm. But, what no, but, I rem- but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. What I remember it was that so it, it was some criticism because they needed, like, how do you call these people who speak for you? Like in Spanish, we say vosotros. Speak, they, they needed to speak people. Spoke, you said spoke person? I think it's a spokesperson. Okay, so spokespeople? I guess. So they needed spokespeople, like, 
to like to give the the worth of marks. Mm-hmm. That sounds like very religious because they needed to filter the words to make it easier for the people to understand because the community mm-hmm. didn't really understand it. I'm not talking about like a mid-class people, like working class people. Bro, exactly, Italian, working class he people. He was addressing. Yeah, so they, they couldn't understand it. So they needed like spokespeople to help them understand it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like controversial. I'm not saying that it's wrong or that it is right, but it's controversial when you are writing or you're sending a message for the uh, work class. If, what if they cannot understand it? Yeah, I, I see your point. And that's... Again, that, that's another reason why I believe Trump is a successful politician. Okay. Because he was addressing and, and connecting with uh, states, uh, United States people in a very effective way. He, he found a way to do it. Yeah. And I think that Marx found a way to... I mean, two centuries ago, blah, blah, blah. But I think he found a way. But yeah, I, I see your point. But I, I don't see the connection with Peterson. <laughs> like, because Peterson is, is using jargon. So he's he's um, oh, yeah. fairly classist, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's, and that's why I told you, like, it was classist of Marx to write a book for the world class that the world class couldn't mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, he's like elevating himself. But well, that's a different story. That was just to create controversy. The thing here is, um, yeah, I understand your your point with uh, Peterson. And, and at the end, he sometimes like escapes some points or, or some discussions by using elevated language mm-hmm. to make himself understandable. No. Less understandable. Yeah, but, but more what is the opposite legitimate. Of, oh, what's, the, what's the opposite of understandable? Unclear. Uh, Ununderstandable. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. we, we have had a lot of linguistic issues today. Yeah, maybe, maybe people won't understand us today. No, well, what I mean is... We are real teachers, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, some people, in order to win debates... Mm, not to address the conversation, not to address the point being discussed, but to win debates, <laughs> elevate their language yeah, so I, people I, don't I, understand I, anything. Yeah. Being there just like, okay, you win. But you are not saying anything. You are just mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. complex words that maybe have no connection between each other, but it's like, you cannot even answer to that. So you don't answer, and it seems like you lost the discussion, and that's mm-hmm. what these people take pride of, on, is that, oh, I won, because I can mm-hmm. use elevated language, and you cannot, but maybe they are not saying anything. And that's what mm-hmm. you say, right? That's what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. That their yeah, words yeah, are exactly. more and more empty. Mm-hmm. And we, I think it's important that we, we as, as a community, I mean, uh, make that obvious to people because uh, as you know like we we know some some of the people that i'm talking about you you're familiar with them but we have these acquaintances who who are people who we can say that they are fairly well educated that they preach to have a critical thinking yeah, they do actually but then you see them quoting 
Peterson and defending Kanye West and and, and you know it's I think like, you're talking about a specific person, yeah, no, not sorry. not some acquaintances. You're, I'm thinking about two people, but yeah, 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 yeah. Knows. I know who you are talking about, but maybe we shouldn't get into. But well, yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, 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 foster canceling hours. Our, our own acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. and, and one of them has a connection with one of our friends, so we should avoid it. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, well, uh, when we returned from the break, Amy, I, I said that there was a way in which I could like sneak Taylor Swift into the conversation. And do you remember back in 2016 when there was like the these uh, discussions between Hillary versus Trump, who is right, mm-hmm. who's wrong, who's going to win. And here in Mexico, everybody thought that Hillary was going to win because Mexico mm-hmm. receives Democrat propaganda. Mm-hmm. So we are like a Democrat, yes, Democrat or Democratic? No, Democrat, right? Mm-hmm. Democrat country will influence by them, at least. Because I think the New York Times semi is owned by a Mexican fella. So mm-hmm. that's what we mm-hmm. receive. Yeah, okay. it's well, it, it's a, it's a whole issue. And back in the day when Trump had this hate speech against Mexican people, Taylor Swift unfortunately agreed with him. She didn't I say, know. I hate Mexican people. She didn't say anything. That's why she's never come. Well, she's coming, dude. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because you're paying her. Well, well, that that's the thing. That's that what they all do, don't they? Art. Uh, it's like well, let's think about a different artist that has come here several times. Adele. Well, I think she's come twice, and everybody loves I, Adele I, because she's oh like oh, cute and deep, and she speaks like oh, her pain like really deeply. British accent. But we are paying her. So mm-hmm. again, capitalism makes us hypocrites, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, the, the the topic is not if she's coming to Mexico or not, but she is Emmy. And actually, uh, did we discuss this here in, uh, during the podcast or it was during the break? No, I think what? it was during the podcast that she's going to break a record for coming so many dates in a row. I know that, that's I, I know, but that's why it says she's the new Metallica. No? It was during the podcast. Yes, it was I like don't know. twenty minutes ago. But well, <laughs> so she's coming. But well, again, that's not the topic. The thing is, Amy talking about cancel culture. She was fairly canceled, but not really, because she agreed with Trump, mm-hmm. and what she did very cleverly on like different figures like Peterson and J.K. Rowling, she changed the narrative because she's mm-hmm. interested in. Well, the money, I guess, in like giving people what they want. So when she realized that people didn't want that uh, speech, Mm -hmm. then she returned with Lover in 2019, if I'm not... uh, But what uh, do you mean by return with Lover? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I think many things got in the way. It was when she lost the rights of her uh, music. It was when she was canceled by supporting Trump, mm-hmm. from, for, from supporting Trump, and she returned with her album Lover, okay. in which she incorporated Jack Antonoff. Mm-hmm. And we could see like great improvement in the lyrics, but also in her message that uh, that was love. That's why mm-hmm. the, the she, she had like a 
a song that it's called uh, You Need to Calm Down. Mm-hmm. And that's like gay, gay pride in the song. Mm-hmm. So she changed her narrative. I'm not saying that okay. she supports one side or the other, but now she's in this left-wing narrative. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in 2016, she openly supported a right uh, extremist, right-wing... Far right, right, no? Mm-hmm. All right, so so there is some change in the narrative, and maybe it's not because she believes in one or the other. Maybe she's just trying to give people what they want. And if we if we go uh, like fast forward, I mean, we have in twenty twenty yes twenty twenty, she openly supported uh, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and it's it it wasn't something like in twenty sixteen that she just said like oh if he says that we should do something let's do it. That's what she said. She didn't say anything else. She didn't say yeah. that she was going to vote for him. But in 2020, she actually invited people to vote for Joe Biden. Actually, the, the evidence is on social media. You can go to her Instagram and they... No, no, know, I, I, I trust you. But then again, you, you were saying that we should kill influencers. <laughs> no, no, no. But what I mean, I'm not defending Taylor Swift. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying that I, I, that is supporting my... Yeah, she, she had a very smart, that it's just a narrative. Sometimes exactly, she had a very smart political move. Exactly. And that's what she did. Yeah, and she adapted. And now her mm-hmm, message mm-hmm. in her albums is very different. Because she went from reputation, I hate everybody, like mm-hmm. F you mm-hmm. to lover, which is like I love everybody. And then she went to folklore evermore, which are like a totally different genre. So I think she took advantage of this narrative to show a different face so she could evolve and like include more people and she could like grow her image like even more, you know? I've been affected by that. I am a victim of this narrative because you know that I love her. Mm -hmm. But I understand that it's just a narrative. She is not like all love. She doesn't love Mexican people. But I know, well, that's the thing. I don't know. You know? But the problem is that it's not just a narrative. I, I, I've been thinking about how you're using the word narrative this whole time. And that's the thing, that it's not just a narrative. So it's, actually, is... it's actually something that constitutes our subjectivity. Like, what is our subjectivity if not narrative? I, I said this before on the myth, uh, mythology episodes. Like, we are mythology. We're a myth. So it's not just a narrative. And in that sense, I don't think that she changed her narrative. She changed the strategy. But I think it's the same narrative. And which is it? Well, capitalism. She, she's a, a white female <laughs> trying to sell, which I'm not saying is wrong, but I mean, she's doing whatever she can to sell and she, she's nailing it, right? Like, how many tickets have you got? <laughs> yeah. Let's not get into that, Amy. <laughs> well, actually, we already got into that uh, yeah. after the break, but... <laughs> But I, I just realized. But I think just... I think this this is a a, a good point. Uh, you you were talking a lot about how she changed the emotions. She changed the way she she portrays. She depicts the emotions in her yeah, albums. Exactly. And I think this is a really very nice transition uh, to what we're going to be talking about uh, in a month, right? In next month, sorry. We still have uh, one more one more episode here, 
Um, yeah, it, it's been a whole we're... debate that episode, but well, maybe we can yeah. share that information when we actually record that episode. Yes. Uh, but next next month's uh, theme is going to be precise about emotions, emotions and how they have been portrayed through history in the mainstream media mainly. So we're going to be an, uh, analyzing in detail certain emotions. So we can use Taylor um, Swift's albums as templates, right, for those emotions? Yeah, exactly. She's giving us a, a very good example of how uh, you can depict certain emotion uh, pre-Trump era and other emotions post-Trump yes. era. So I think this is a, a, a good point to to wrap it up and uh, leave it there with this small introduction to the emotions month. Yeah. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, uh, very shortly. We're going to be talking about emotions, how they are portrayed, how they are influenced by mainstream mainly, but mm -hmm. by many other aspects like family, for example, the mm -hmm. workplace, friendships. And that's where we are going to get. However, the next episode is not next month. The next episode is the wrap up of the month. As mm -hmm. you know, it's our second episode in reimagining the month. So we're going yeah, to reimagine what we discussed in June. We will be discussing Spanish. So it's an opportunity if you're learning Spanish. If you're not, I'll, we'll see you in two weeks then. Because that's fair, right? If you don't speak Spanish, you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so we'll see you in two weeks, not in one Very week. Wise words. <laughs> yes, that, that, that's that. And well, we would just like to invite you to share your uh, comments on the comment section. Uh, before the break, we asked you about J.K. Rowling. But now what do you think about uh, Peterson, Dr.? Jordan Peterson, as Emmy said, because he loves him. What do you think <laughs> about uh, Taylor Swift's case uh, about pre-Trump statement and post-Trump statement? Mm -hmm. And do you have any last question, Emmy, for them? For our no, I think those, those are, are, are really nice questions. In, in general, what do you think about cancel culture? Do you think it's yeah. worth our time? Yeah, that's a great question. Is it worth our time? And we'll see you next week and we will discover if we actually have a guest or not. <laughs> we will see. <laughs> we will. It's a whole it's a surprise even for us. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll overshare that when we're when in that episode. Yes. We'll see you then. Perfect. So see you then. Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs>